This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And again, we are teaching this series on, and this is our fourth lesson in this series, uh, ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. And my piece of this is uh, starting off with the spirit. So the role of the spirit in the family is what I have entitled this, Faith Working Through Love. The role of the spirit in the family, faith working through love. And as I said, this is our uh, fourth lesson um, leading off in this series. And we're just going to continue today. I'm not going to do a whole lot of review because my time gets away from me. And so there's a particular place that we need to be. So uh, one of the things that uh, we we start off with Galatians chapter 5. And uh, again, we won't go there. But uh, Galatians chapter 5, you can go back and read it. But we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God. And being led by the Spirit of God is something that all believers should be doing anyway. But particularly as it relates to this particular topic that we're talking about, It is important that we understand that being led by the Spirit of God is God's, is is His way of of helping us to navigate this life. Navigate things that we don't know about because we haven't been in those situations before. Uh, Things that come up, challenges that come up in our lives. Just navigating, working with people. Just working with people, period. That's a challenge in itself because you have different personalities. You have different things going on. People have different experiences. They come from different backgrounds. And so it's important that we be led by the Spirit of God uh, um, in dealing with people, period. But uh, again, we're, we've been talking about particularly navigating the life, la- navigating living with or being married to an unbeliever, where one person, one spouse is, the, is a believer, the other is not a believer, and then having to navigate living with this person, having to navigate this marriage, because you have been called to a union by God, uh, and I'm not talking about you and that person in particular, because remember, who you marry is your choice, but as you have combined, as you have chosen this person to live, to be married to, understanding that the institution of marriage is what God has ordained and what he has established. So if you have chosen to enter into a covenant that was established by God, enter into that covenant with someone and they are unbelievers, we understand how challenging that could be. And then we said, and, and, and God never intended, and we've, we've seen that, that when God speaks to us about anything related to anything that he has done, uh, including the institution of marriage, he, he makes no provision for things outside of what he expects. So he expects that two believers will be married. Two believers will join themselves together in matrimony. But we, we know that that is not always the case. And then sometimes when two unbelievers are married, then one becomes saved, one accepts salvation, and then the other has not yet. And so then you have, you have that frustration of trying to navigate a life where one person is uh, being led by the Spirit, the other is not. 
one person can't be led by the Spirit because they have not been, I'm not going to say they haven't been introduced, but they have not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. So it, all they can do is do what they do. All they can do is, is do whatever their flesh tells them. All they can do is do whatever their thoughts tell them, what they see in the world, just taking on those things and living out those things. And then you have this person who is saved who has accepted Christ. Christ has come to live in their hearts and now they're, they're, they're trying to, to navigate their life and to live their life being led by the Spirit of God. And we, all, we know the, the Scripture plainly tells us that the Spirit and the flesh, they always war against one another. And so we need to be, be, be sure that, that being led by the Spirit, that's, that's why it's so important that we are led by the Spirit. Because what you don't want to do in that type of situation is drive the other person away and, and, and just, just, just hold on to what I'm, what I'm saying. We're going to make all of that clear today. Um, you don't want to drive them away. You don't want to hinder the work that God may be trying to do in their lives uh, as far as salvation is concerned, you don't, you don't want to hinder those kinds of things. So you, it's important that you are being led by the Spirit so that you won't be a damper, that you won't be a hindrance, so that you won't get in God's way. And that you, are, you can be a help, you can be a worker together with God in that situation. So that is very, very important. The objective, I told you, of this teaching... And I only have one objective, and that is for us to learn how to navigate being married to an unbeliever or someone who is not saved or someone who has less of a desire to live a principled life being led by the Spirit less than you. And, and, and all that while, you need to stay under God's authority. That's the whole objective. Under all of that, you are to stay under God's authority. And I said again that the key is being led by the Spirit and being motivated by love. I don't want to leave that out. The key to that is being led by the Spirit and being motivated by love. And then there are some practical things that we're going to get to uh, between today and next Sunday. There are some practical things and some, and some spiritual things that you should do and don't do. There are some things that you should do, and there are some things that you should not do. And we're going to get through all of that today, uh, between today and next Sunday as well. Um, let's see. All right, so let's just jump right into this. I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to start reading at... Let's start reading at verse 10. 1 Corinthians 7, start uh, reading at, at verse 10. And unto the married I command you not, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. And, and let, me, let me stop here. Let me stop. Let me tell you that this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And he's writing to the Corinthians. Remember I told you in the book of Acts it shows where he went and he, he ministered to the Corinthians. And so they were converted from Judaism. They were converted to, uh, to being believers. Uh, but here we see that, that the Corinthians, they had written Paul. They wrote Paul about particular things that were going on in the churches at, at uh, Corinth, Corinth. And so here he's addressing in this first uh, first chapter, I mean the first epistle of the Corinthians, he's addressing those things that they wrote to him about. So now let's start reading at verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. 
But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Verse 15, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or how, thou, how, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Verse, uh, jump to verse 40. But she is happier if she so abide. After my judgment, I think I also, no, after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. And so here we're going to dive into uh, what is what Paul is saying, what is directly uh, commanded from God, and what he's saying. But we see here, and remember that, that, that Paul was an apostle. He was chosen. He was sent by God. And so here in verse 40, he's saying, I believe I have the Spirit of God. I was sent. I was, God made me an apostle. I was sent by him. Surely, surely I have the spirit of God. So some of these things we'll see that God did not address outright. Remember, because I said he makes no provision for what he doesn't expect. He doesn't expect for unbelievers to be married. That's not his expectation. He expects, because this is an institution that he created, he expects that believers are married. So he didn't address those kinds of things in his teaching that were very direct about marriage. But Paul says, okay, I hear you are writing to me about these things, so you need some help. I believe I have the Spirit of God. I've been sent by God. So I have something that you can apply to this situation. And so here is what, what God, and, and again, God, Paul was telling them that this is written, all was written, all scripture was written by the inspiration of God. And so here we see that, that what Paul told the Corinthians is going to apply to us because we are in that same situation. Some of us are, find ourselves, have found ourselves in that same situation. And so we need to hear what the Spirit of God has to say about it. Amen? So verse 10, he says, Not I, and unto I... And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. So here he is telling us that this is a direct commandment from God. And this can be found in Mark chapter 10. We won't go there. We've read that before. Mark chapter 10 is where that can be found. He says, let not the wife depart from her husband. That's what God has said directly in Mark chapter 10. Let not the wife depart from her husband. And if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. That's a direct commandment from God. So as we can see, as I said before, that when God has commanded something, that's exactly what he expects. He expects that once we are married, the wife should not depart, the husband should not depart. That's it. It's to death do you part. To death do you part. You don't depart. Death has to depart you. 
And so this is what, look, he's, a husband is supposed to take, take on that, that wife. Supposed to take that wife. And the two become one flesh. You don't depart from your flesh until you die. You get that? You, the two become one flesh. You don't depart from your flesh. Naturally, you don't depart from your flesh until you die. Then your spirit goes on and your body stays. That's a, depart, a departation. So you only depart when you die. God expects that same thing in marriage. Once you have joined yourself with someone, the two become one flesh. The only way to depart from that marriage is one dies. That's the expectation. Here, though, in verse 12, but to the rest, he says, I understand. You're writing to me. I understand then that there are some of you who are not in that situation. You have not, or you are not married to a believer. Or, as I said before, you both were unbelievers. They both were in Judaism. And one is converted to Christianity. And then the other is not. So then there's still an unequal yoking there. There's still an unequal yoking. So here he says, But to the rest, and the rest of this that I'm about to say, understand this, that this is not directly from God. However, verse 40, I believe I have the Spirit of God. I've been sent by Him. So this is the best, basically what he's saying is, this is the, the best counsel that you're going to get pertaining to this particular situation. The best counsel. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife, if any brother, that's a believer, hath a wife that believeth not an unbeliever, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an, a husband that believeth not, married to an unbeliever, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Okay? So, Paul here again, he's addressing those who are married to unbelievers. If they be pleased, if the unbelieving spouse is pleased, and hold on to that word, pleased to dwell with the believing spouse, the believing spouse should not leave. Remember I told you, it's easier. See, our flesh, and we use scriptures like being unequally yoked. We use scriptures like, you know, you need, we need to pull away from them. You know, the, don't dwell. How, how can, how can a, a one who, who walks in light, how can they dwell with dark? You know, we, we try to use all of those scriptures. Uh, uh, and, and again, and the, scriptures, the scriptures are truly stated. They're truly stated. And that's the truth of the word of God. But we try to use scripture. In our manipulation, we try to use scripture to try to, to try to dictate. Remember I told you those evil intents, those evil purposes. We try to use scripture sometimes to, to do that. To support our evil intention. And that is not Christ-like at all. That is not godly at all. But I said sometimes we do that because it would be best for us. In our minds, it would be best if I could just walk away. I don't have to deal with his unbelief. I don't have to deal with her unbelief. They don't believe in God. You know, now I'm converted. I'm, you know, I'm a Christian now and I'm trying to live this way. I'm trying to tithe. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to live my life for God and they're going to hinder me and they're going to do this and they're not, and they're not on the same wavelength and they don't not, they're not thinking the same and they just not, you know, I, it's, it, I, it, it would be better if I would just by myself. I don't have to deal with that. As a matter of fact, 
I, and God, he, he knows that I want to be married, so I, if I can just get rid of this one, I can go get me a Christian husband, and I can go get me a believing wife. And, you know, and so it's all about making it easy for our flesh. It's all about making it easy. Well, guess what? Life is not easy. And you're going to always, I don't care, married to a believing spouse. You're going to always have challenges in a marriage that you have to work through. Marriage is something that you've got to work through. Regardless. Regardless. Now, yes, it's easier if you're both believers. And it's easier if you're both being led by the Spirit. It's easier. But it's not going to be perfect. You're still going to have challenges. No matter what, you're still going to have challenges. You may have less. But you will still have challenges that you will have to work through. So what is being pleased? What does that mean, being pleased to dwell with him? So, so remember that, that God's intention is for us to stay married until death do apart, us part. And the only, the only contingency to that, the only reason why he says that you can, that it's okay to separate, is for infidelity. That's the only reason that God gave, is for uh, infidelity. Now, again, again, he was still talking to believers, remember, because his intent is still that two believers be married. So he, and this, so, so it's interesting to me that he uh, included infidelity as a reason to get married. When he's talking to, and the intention of a marriage is for two believers. That's interesting. But he realizes and he understands that, yes, you're people. He said, I died for those sins. I understand. I know that you're going to sin. I already, listen, I already, I've seen it. I already know. I already know. God made the, and so the only thing that, that God, the only thing that God has, has, has made contingency for is, 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 is for that particular reason. But here, again, the, the Corinthians, they were getting married, uh, getting divorces, and, and the reason, again, the reason why Moses even had a bill of divorcement was because they were divorcing their wives for just every little, every little thing. But here, so here we see, it says that the, the, the believer, if the unbelieving spouse is pleased to dwell with the believing spouse, the unbelieving spouse is pleased to dwell with a believing spouse, let not the believing spouse depart. Please, Please, if they're pleased with you, they'll stay with you. That's just plain and outright, right? I'm not going anywhere. It's okay. You're saved. That's fine. I'm not going anywhere. They choose to stay at the house. But then they choose to stay at the house. But then their actions don't demonstrate that they're pleased to be with you. Okay? So here we go. Pleased to be with you. Yes, they can stay. That shows that they're pleased. But then there's the other piece. So if they stay, then there's a demonstration of action that should show that I'm pleased to be with you. That I'm pleased to dwell with you. What are some of those actions that demonstrate that I'm not pleased to dwell with you? Infidelity, again, is one. Staying out all night. If I stay out all night, I'm not pleased to dwell with you. If I got to go out and be with my friends and do all of that, go stay out all night, and God knows where, where they are and who they're with, they're not pleased to dwell with you. 
If they are physically abusing you. If they are physically abusing you. They're not pleased. You don't put your hands on. You don't fight a person that you're pleased to dwell with. If they're physically abusing you. They're not pleased to dwell with you. If they are verbally abusing you, calling you all kinds of B's and H's, they're not pleased to dwell with you. You understand that? God is not calling us to be in a situation that is going to jeopardize our life. He's not causing us to be in a place that is going to jeopardize our lives. Yes, he suffered death. He suffered stripes. Physical abuse. He suffered that for a purpose. And that purpose was to save us. That purpose was to cleanse us. That purpose was to, that we might be justified in God's sight. Jesus suffered those things. He's not causing you to do that. He's not causing you to suffer at the hand of a person who is trying to hurt you physically. He's not causing you to live in that kind of situation. He's not. So I don't want you to be on that, on that end of the spectrum. Because you see, we have, we have those that, that do that. But I love him. I love her. I, you know, I do. And yes, there are some men who are physically abused. Believe it or not. There are some men who are uh, uh, verbally abused. So this, this can go two ways. It's not just a one-way street. It can go two. It's less prevalent, but, it's, but, it, is, but, it, but it is so. So we've got to be sure that we understand that, that God is not calling us to be in those kinds of situations that would jeopardize. And again, if a person is walking out on you, if they're being unfaithful, they're not committed to that marriage. They're not committed. They're not committed to that covenant. They're not committed to that. They're not committed to you. God is not calling you to be in a place where the commitment to you, the commitment to the marriage is not there. You cannot have, a marriage, a marriage has to take two. That's a covenant. That's two. Two. One can't be and the other one is. That's not a covenant. That's not a marriage. So here in verse 14, it says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. So there is a blessing. So this is the reason why. Why you shouldn't depart. Remember we talked about this is a part, a part of our, our, our piece on, on why we should not seek to be free from an unbeliever. Okay, why we should not seek to be free from an unbeliever. Number one, we know that God has already, has already stated it. Marriage is till death do you part. This is the other reason. Is that the blessing of the believing spouse is extended to the others in the household. The blessing of the spouse is extended to the others in the household. 
The believing spouse should not leave because God regards that marriage as sanctified, set apart for his use by the presence of the believing spouse. So this in no way, so don't get this twisted, because this in no way implies that the unbelieving spouse is automatically saved. It does not mean that. That they're automatically saved because they are married to a believer. Or that the children are automatically saved because they are, 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 are being parented by a, a, a believing parent. That's not what that is. Because in the work of salvation, every person has to respond to the gospel for themselves. Every person has to respond to the gospel, the invitation to the gospel for themselves. So in no way does that imply that the unbelieving spouse is automatically saved. I I didn't say that at all. What did I say? I said that the blessing of the believing spouse is extended to. It's extended to the blessing. What is the blessing? We already already established. If you've been in in in, in uh, Wednesday night services for any length of time over the past few months, you understand that the blessing of the Lord is being in Christ. So, because that believing spouse is in Christ, the blessing of Jesus is extended to the unbelieving spouse. How? You just said that they're not saved, right? They're not saved automatically. But there are some blessings that Jesus, don't you know that, that God reigns on the just and the unjust? He reigns on the just and the unjust. So I said that, that that marriage is sanctified. That means it's set apart. That means that the unbelieving spouse and the children, they are in a special situation. They are in a special situation. This is the blessing of Jesus. They are in a special situation because they are exposed to God's word. And his work. And his purpose on a daily basis. That is the extension. That is the blessing. The blessing is that they are exposed daily. Whereas you have two unbelievers. Or you just have, a, just a, remember, just an unbeliever period. If they don't have someone living that close to them. Or they're living in the house with the person. Then, you know, they may get, they may get the word, they may hear of God's purpose, they may hear of Him, you know, every now and then. But when you have a spouse that's living in the household with you, then you have first seat, you have, you have a court side advantage. That's a blessing. You know, I remember uh, Harlem Globetrotters. I love the Harlem Globetrotters. And I was living, I still like, like the whole stuff. Y'all hear Harlem Globetrotters coming to Austin, just let me know. But I was in Houston, and, 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 you know, they would come, you know, maybe every two or three years they would come. But I would love to go and see the Harlem Globetrotters. Love them. Just absolutely love them. Now, the Harlem Globetrotters, there were, and, and, and just and, and either, people who do know just sports, period. You know, you can buy a season pass. So you have a season pass. Any game you want to go to, you're there. And then you have, you may have a box seat, or you may have floor seats, and that's, those are premiums right there. The, 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 the floor seats, you have center court advantage, and you're on the floor with the players. You're on the floor. Right there on the sideline, on the floor. That's a benefit to that. And so I remember Harlem Globetrotters. Of course, we couldn't afford to pay for that. You know, I had to sit way, way up there. But, 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 but I, I noticed that those who had those center courtside advantage seats, they got all the benefits. They got all the benefits. Now, they're not, they weren't Harlem Globetrotters. 
They weren't a part of the team. But as close to the team as they could get, they got the benefits. And so an unbelieving spouse and your children in your household, that's what they have. That's just like that. That don't mean that they're saved, but they got some benefits right there. And that benefit is that they can see every play. They can see every play. They can see when you fall. They can see how you fail. They can see when you stand. They can see when you pass. They can see when you make a basket. They can see all of those intricate details. They can see all of that because they're right there. Unlike me because I had, you know, so if I didn't have my binoculars or whatever, I, I couldn't see that well. I couldn't see the details. But with this courtside advantage, they can see everything every day. And that puts them at a very particular and peculiar situation. To see the blessing of the Lord up front, personal, and close. <laughs> and so now that's why we have to be sure that we, as the believer, as that believing spouse, you have to be sure that you are putting your best game forward. You have to be sure that you are putting your best game forward. And it's not just for them. Remember, they see, they, they see up close. But then you have all of these spectators. In the room, those you come in contact with, yeah, that, see, that's what, that's what a believer is supposed to do, period. Living our faith out loud. That's what we're supposed to do, period. But then remember that you have those who are that close to you. You're ministering to, to, ministering to them as well. You're ministering to them first. Everybody else is secondary, but you're ministering to them first. And so that's why there's a, there's a certain lifestyle that we have to lead, a certain, a certain lifestyle that we have to lead before them. So, verse 15. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. And this verse, this verse but, this is related to verse 13. So it's not going to hurt to say this. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. 15. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Okay? Let's move on. I think that's clear. If they don't want to be there, you can't hold them. Two people have to be in a marriage. If they don't want to be held, you can't hold on to them. Let them go. Let them go. So, you know, we always see the, the green, the grass is always green on the other side. So, at first I said, we have those who, you know, this is, I'm married to this person, and, you know, and this is what it's supposed to be, and, and yes, and God said not to get a divorce, yes, and I, I agree, all of that. But it says, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Listen, you in no way, you do not, you do not deny your faith to keep uh, peace in a marriage. You do not deny your faith to keep a spouse. You cannot deny your faith to keep a spouse. And so we have those on that end of the spectrum. But God says this and God says that. And, and yes, he does. He says that you are, when you are married, you should not depart from that. He says that unless it's for infidelity. Otherwise, you stay with them. I get that. But you cannot hold on to somebody who does not want to be held on to. Let them go. Listen, others are looking for that way out. I said they manipulate to try to get that way out. You take it. it. Listen, take it if that's what they want. 
Because surely, surely, you if they if they stayed for you for that just for that reason to try to keep you appeased, it's not going to work. If they want to go, let them go. Let them go. But if they want to stay, then you you have to find ways to be at peace. Listen, you have to find ways to be at peace with everybody. God calls us to peace. We're going to see that in the scripture in a minute. He calls us to peace. But as some people, some people think, you know, well, I need peace and so that's why I need to leave. That's not what God is saying. He says, if they depart, let them depart. We're trying to keep peace. I want you to keep peace if they stay. Then you need every way that you can. You try to keep peace. But besides, besides denying your faith. Right? So then we talk about some other things that will help us to keep the peace. But under no circumstances, we, we, yes, we ought to seek unity and not separation. We ought to seek peace and not strife. But the goal is never to deny your faith. That is not an option. In any, not, not, any relationship, that's not an option. Marriage relationship or not. Verse 16. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. God says, I'm not requiring you to try to stay in a marriage that where someone don't want to be kept. I'm not requiring that. But God has called us to peace. And so, so what does that mean that God has called us to peace? As I said, that, that God says in his word, he tells us that we need to follow peace as closely as it relates to us. Whatever we can control, by anything in our control, we need to follow peace. So that in that marriage, you need to follow peace. Meaning that you need to not, again, not pop off at the mouth just, just for it. Being led by the Spirit. Remember that. This is the thread. Being led by the Spirit. Don't pop off at the mouth for every little thing. Because this person is not an unbeliever. Because this person is not a believer. See, we, we, just try, we, can try to, we need to try to keep peace. There's some things, again, we talked about some practical things that we need to do. Some practical things. And then I want you to keep this in mind. Look at verse 16. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how, how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? I want you to tie this in to what you heard on Wednesday. Tie this in. It is possible that an unbelieving spouse may never accept Christ. That's very possible. But it is also possible for that believing spouse to be an instrument in the believer's acceptance of Christ and salvation. Don't seek. We said don't seek to get out of that marriage. Don't seek it. You are to just stay right in the place. God calls us to stay right in the place where we are when he called us. Remember that example that was given on Wednesday. You are a believer. You are working with an unbeliever. You want to try to transfer floors. You want to try to transfer departments. Just so, so it can be easy on your flesh. You don't want to have to deal with them. But you never know what God wants to do in and through you on that floor, in that department, to try to help this individual. It's the same thing with this marriage. The same thing. You have no idea. Well, God, but you want to try to transfer out. You want to try to get out of the marriage. But you have no idea. If God has saved you, both your, you and your spouse, unbelievers, you become saved. They are not. God wants you to stay right there. Right there. Because he's already, already telling us why. That there's a sanctification that goes on. They have courtside advantage. They can see. 
They can see the goodness of the Lord. And God wants to, God wants to follow through you. He wants you to be a conduit of His goodness. He wants you to be a conduit of His loving kindness. He wants you to be a conduit of His grace. He wants you to be a conduit of His meekness. He wants you to be a conduit. So you have to stay right there. Remember in verse 40, it says, but she is happier if she so abide. Uh, um, no. Hmm. I can't find that scripture right now. But basically, the scripture tells us that we need to just stay. God wants us to stay right where we are. Abide. He wants you to stay right where you are. Whatever place you are called to at that time. You need to stay right there. You need to stay right there. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And let's look at verse 10. The scripture reads... Ephesians 2. No, okay. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And listen, God already knew the situation. He knew your situation before you got into it. He knew where you would be. He knew that one would be saved first and the other one would not be. He already knew all of those things. But you got into it and God can work in that situation wherever you are. He already knew the situation. He did. And God's loving kindness can be channeled through you as a vessel of righteousness. Remember that God has worked on you to work through you. He has worked through you, he's worked salvation in you so that he can work through you for good works. Just as, he, as it says here, that you are wor- a workmanship created in Christ. And so now that you are, are a workmanship and God has worked on you, created in Christ, now he wants to do a good work through you. So that's why it's important that you just stay wherever God has placed you. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and God tied this in so nicely for us. He, he, he showed it to us in, in, in that res- regard, in that respect. Uh, uh, but he's also showing us how it ties into, here how it ties into our marriage. Remember that sight, salt and that light, right? The salt and the light. And so he's teaching us here in Matthew chapter 5 the same thing, how it relates to our marriage. Same concept. Remember we talked about neighbors and we said that the na- your neighbor, that's the closest, your, your spouse, that's the closest neighbor that you have. So here, God is telling us in Matthew chapter 5, at verse 14, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before your spouse. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. (coughs) That's plain and simple. Let your light shine before your spouse. So that they may see the good works of God and glorify your father. That's important. That is very important. This means what? You don't have an inherited light, but you have a light, rather, that is reflective of Christ. 
You have a light that is reflective of Christ. Therefore, you have to make sure that nothing comes between you and that light. The light that you're reflecting. You have to make sure that nothing becomes between you and that light. Remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and rulers of darkness. And you can be a conduit. You are a light in the darkness of your spouse's life. You are a light in the darkness of your spouse's life. Remember, it's not your spouse is not evil. We've had that teaching. They do evil. We do evil. But we are not evil. That's not what God created us to be. You are wrestling not against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against your spouse. You are wrestling against the darkness that they're in. Remember, you were in darkness. You are wrestling against the darkness that they are in. And so we need to always remember that. Again, again, when it's so close, when, when when the situation is so close... Sometimes it's hard for us to separate the two. But you have to because you are a believer. God requires you to think a certain way. Remember, we don't think as men think. We have to think as God thinks. We have to think as God thinks. So, being that light, what does that mean? That means you cannot be quiet when it's time to speak. You can't be quiet when it's time to speak. But tie that in. Don't forget what we, what we said. Being led by the Spirit. You cannot be quiet when it's time to speak. You cannot speak when it's time to be silent. Again, being led by the Spirit. You cannot speak when it's time to be silent. You cannot ignore the needs of your spouse. Here we go. That's important. You know, we try to... Now, women are good at this. You want to withhold sex. You want to withhold this. You want to do that. Well, you know, I got to go to church and I got to do this and I got to do that. And they're not doing nothing. They're not going to church. So they don't, I, they, he can cook his own food. He can do this. He can do. You cannot ignore the needs of your spouse, whether they're a believer or not. That is your duty. As a spouse, you cannot go along with unrighteousness and unholiness. You cannot go along with unrighteousness and unholiness. So yeah, there were some practices that we used to do together when we were both unbelievers. Now that I'm saved, he's still into those same practices. But now that I'm a believer, I can't live that way anymore. I can't deny the faith to keep peace in the house. I can't deny the faith to please that spouse. Unrighteousness and unholiness I cannot be involved with any longer. Yes, I'm going to be your spouse. Yes, I'm going to do my spousely duties. Yes, I love you and I'm going to continue to love you. I'm going to continue to care for you. But there are certain things now that I now that I'm a believer, there are certain things that I cannot do because I'm living my life righteously and holy as God expects me to. Are you pleased to dwell with that? That's where the line. Are you pleased to dwell with that? They can be pleased to dwell with it, okay, that's fine, or not. Or not. But I cannot go along with unrighteousness and unholiness. I cannot hide my worship to God. (laughs) I cannot hide my worship to God. 
I pray in my house. I'm not to satisfy you. I'm not going to wait till you leave to pray. I'm not going to wait for you to leave to, to, to pray. I'm not going to do certain things and just wait for you. And I, I can't tiptoe around you like that. I have to live my faith. I have to live out my faith. I'm not putting it on you. I, this is what I have to do for my relationship. Because I have been cleansed. Because I have been made righteous. Because of this, I, there's a certain lifestyle now that I have to lead. And I cannot deny that. I cannot deny that. Last verse for today. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk. Uh, chapter 1. Chapter 1. Did I put my... No, I didn't. If I can get to it in time. Yeah, yeah why didn't I... Oh, there we go. Chapter 1, and let's look at verse 5. Behold ye among the heathen. Behold ye, you, among the heathen, the unsaved. And regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. He says the unbelieving spouse, and we'll get to that, the unbelieving spouse, that they can be saved. They can be. He says, I need you to believe. I need you to trust. I need you to just do what you have to do and let me handle the rest. I want you to hold on to that till next week, and we're going to finish this up next week. But God is so faithful. Remember to tune in. Stay tuned for our 10 o'clock service, and don't forget to submit your questions uh, as we are going through this series in family life. God bless. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.